and beginning reading with verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for your word this afternoon, and pray, Lord, your Holy Spirit, to minister to our hearts, to encourage us in our walk of faith, and that we might continue to walk in the light of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and in the fellowship of the Lord Jesus and with the Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as we look at this passage, we see there are some very practical things that that John wishes to bring out. And as the theme uh, is fellowship, we find that fellowship is something we can all relate to. Uh, it is uh, koinonia. The word fellowship is koinonia. And uh, uh, Pastor Mark Rowe used to have koinonia time at the beginning of the worship service. And what he would say is, uh, we're going to have a koinonia time, and uh, everybody would stand up, and uh, you would turn around and welcome somebody to the fellowship, to the church uh, in the morning, shake hands with them, say hi to them, greet them, and then return to your seat, and then he would, of course, continue with the morning message. Uh, so that's a nice thing to do, um, and uh, I don't think it's been done recently at the Senate Church since we, since Mark uh, left um, and went to be with the Lord. Uh, but uh, we find that fellowship is something we all can relate to very well. We we look to God not only for our personal fellowship, but to have fellowship one with another. And of course, when we have fellowship one with another. It is in the person and work of Jesus Christ. It, that is the basis of our fellowship. Uh, so this afternoon we're going to look at several areas under the theme of the gospel of eternal life. Now I chose that because we find here that he mentions the word of life. 
And uh, of course he's referring to Jesus as the word of life. And uh, the gospel was Jesus, of course, introduced by his very ministry and by his life that is dying upon the cross for our sins was to give the word of life. Uh, Jack Watson in his uh, Bible camp ministry entitled his camp ministry Word of Life Camp. Um, and probably it was based upon this very thought here, if not this passage of scripture, uh, because we realize that the, the word of life is eternal life for us as believers. We, we realize that is uh, embedded within the very life and ministry of Christ. Jesus is the word of life, verses 1 and 2, and, and for obvious reasons we realize that Jesus is the life that we seek to have uh, that we might know God the Father and that we might know God the Son. Um, and there is no other, um, there is no other religion or faith, if you will, which purports to have such a Savior as Jesus Christ. Only the Christian faith, uh, because Christ came to die for the sins of the world. He came to die. And so Jesus is the word of life. Secondly, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. So on the basis of um, Christ being our Savior, uh, we can only have fellowship with the Father through the Son. And so we find that our fellowship is uh, based upon Jesus Christ as uh, the one who came to give eternal life uh, to all who believe upon him. Uh, that is how we obtain fellowship with the Father and we have fellowship with the Son. Now this of course becomes very important to us in our relationship to God and to the Lord Jesus because fellowship is, uh, is something which cements together our relationship. Uh, it's, it is um, somehow tentative in one degree because we know if we sin against the Lord, if we do sin or transgress the will of God, uh, then we break fellowship with the Lord. Uh, we do not lose our salvation, but we do break fellowship with the Lord. And uh, we realize that at the end of the chapter, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we find that fellowship can be, can be restored, if you will, unto our relationship with the Father and the Son um, because of that. Uh, and then uh, thirdly, our fellowship and joy is that God is light and that we are to walk in the light. We are to walk in the light. And so here um, the, the fellowship that we have with God the Father leads to a joy that we have in our Christian faith. Joy meaning uh, Jesus is not only the, the uh, central figure in our relationship with God the Father, he is uh, the one who is at the very heart, if you will, of who we are as believers. And so our, our joy is not in the world. Uh, our happiness is not in the world at all. It is in Christ. And that is why as believers we, uh, we can live in this world and be content with whatsoever we have, realizing that Christ is sufficient 
for all things. Christ is the one who makes it bearable, if you will. It will be worth it all. When we see Jesus, we sing that, that wonderful hymn, spiritual hymn. And why is it so? Because no matter what we face in trials or sufferings or hardships or lack of, of material goods and, and things, um, it will not matter. In the end, we will be with the Lord Jesus Christ. We will be with him who came and died for our sins. And he is the supreme joy of our heart, is to, to know the Lord Jesus and the fellowship of his sufferings. So uh, this uh, sense of fellowship and joy go together, that God is light and that we walk in the light. And of course, this metaphor of light and walking has to do with the truth of the Word of God, the light is the truth, the absolute truth, and walking is our experience, how we uh, conduct our lives here, and that we walk with God, we, we continue to uh, have that fellowship with God. As Enoch of old walked with God, and then what did God do? He, he translated him, he took him up to heaven. And, he w and all of a sudden he went to be with God and, uh, and so his walk with God was, was such that he became an example to us of what it means to have a, a right relationship with God and to have that, um, that fellowship with him. Uh, fourthly, in Christ's sacrifice is judicial and parental forgiveness. For Jesus died for our sin, nature, and forgives our sins. So two things are in view, of course, here. Uh, the judicial element of it is that Christ came to die for our sin nature. Um, he would eradicate the sin nature and give us power over the sin nature by the new nature that we would have in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean we are sinless. It just means that we should sin less. <laughs> than, than we did before, for sure. Uh, because we, we, uh, we realize Christ came to die for us in nature. Uh, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, by one man came also life eternal. The, new, the, the, uh, the second Adam died for our sins, and so he dealt with the, the sin nature. Judicially, the sin nature had been dealt with for us as believers. But parentally, now whenever we transgress, we, what do we have to do? We have to confess our sins. And of course there is a difference between sin nature and sins which we may uh, commit. Um, and so we find that throughout our life, we continually come to God and uh, in Christ we find all that is needed that we may be restored to fellowship after we have transgressed in some way. And so in Christ's sacrifice is judicial and parental forgiveness for Jesus died for our sin nature and forgives our sins. And then lastly, um, if we say that we have no sin, we call God a liar, and his word is not in us. His word is not in us. So it would be, perhaps you've seen people or heard people or say, well, I don't sin. There's no reason for me to, to confess anything. 
um, I don't I don't sin and they de- they would deny that they have a sin nature they would deny that well that is the same as calling God a liar because God did send his only begotten son to die for the sin of the world to die for the sin nature that there might be a new nature a new birth within the heart and life of those who confess Christ. And so we find that um, to do that is to call call God a liar, and that means that uh, the word of life, the true eternal life, is not in them, is not in that person. You can't deny that you have a sin nature or that you sin and still believe that Jesus is your Savior. It is contradictory to the word of God to say that. And so these are the, the things that we uh, will address a little bit to um, here this afternoon. First of all, in the beginning of the chapter, typically called the prologue here, he talks about this, this fellowship, the Christian fellowship. Fellowship is made possible. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, with our eyes which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. Well, we might think that as you read that first statement, that which was from the beginning, you might think of John 1.1. And uh, no doubt uh, the eternality of Christ is in view. But it's not just the eternality of Christ. It's also the witness of the gospel of God, the witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which which would be the power of God unto salvation. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So we, we realize that um, uh, John and the other disciples from the very time that they began to follow the Lord, uh, they had this witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, he is the incarnate Christ. He is the one who came forth from the Father. And they recognized this. And uh, they also realized that, uh, that he was, he would, as he was the incarnate Christ, he is also the Son of God. Uh, and so we find that from the very beginning of, of John's relationship with Jesus and uh, the rest of the disciples, uh, this message began to uh, resonate within the hearts and lives of these disciples that Jesus was truly who he claimed to be the very Son of God the incarnate of God the promised Messiah if you will as the the name Jesus uh, was given to uh, the Lord at, at his birth Uh, the angel announced to Mary that she would have a son and that uh, she should call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So the name Jesus relates to his humanity, his coming into the world. But the word Christ is that term of means anointed and it comes out of the Old Testament in the sense that the Messiah the Messiah, the one who would be sent of God, the promised one, would be the anointed one of God, and he would come. And so Christ refers to his his deity. His deity. Just as Jesus refers to his humanity, his incarnate humanity, 
we find that uh, Christ refers to his deity, Jesus Christ. And we say, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Our Lord. A kurios, our Lord. And, and so this is uh, an important uh, notation to take here. That which was from the beginning, not only eternally, but uh, in time and space, which we have heard, which we have seen, and our eyes which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled. Of course, they did see Jesus. They did hear what he had to say. Uh, they did look upon him and witness him as being the Son of God and the true Messiah of God. And of course, they were with him. Um, we might say, well, when it speaks about handling him, it isn't that they... That he was touchable. He was among the people. He was with them. Remember, he gathered together the twelve and they came together with him. They were in, in close fellowship together. Um, you know, there's one thing when you might say, well, I know such and such a person. You might say, well, I know. Oh, do, do you know such and such a person? Oh, yes, I know him. I know him. Well, you might know him as, well, his name. Or you might know him or her as, as, their, as their name. Or you might have seen them as, and say, well, oh yeah, that, I recognize that person. I know that person. But to be with that person, a person for a long period of time, and to eat with them, and to uh, have a, a, uh, an ongoing relationship with that person, talking with them, and fellowshipping with them, and, and really having a very close family type uh, of a relationship, you, you know them much more. It's, it's like they said here, um, our hands have handled of the word of life. Uh, I cannot imagine what it was like really to sit down with Jesus who is the word of life, God's only begotten Son, to sit down with him and to eat the bread and the fish together. And it's one of those things we perhaps would say, I want to do that. I imagine someday of having such fellowship with our Lord. But it is difficult for us to, to, to say, I've done it. Certainly we cannot say we have done it. Not in that physical sense, you see. But these could, these disciples, John could say that. John had sat down with Jesus and ate of the bread and the fish. Peter had sat down with Jesus and eaten with him. And all of the twelve in the upper room and on the various occasions when Jesus did do miracles or was teaching uh, and, uh, and expounding a parable of, of the scriptures, of those things, that he desired for them to know. He, they could say that. They, they was with him that closely, you see. And, uh, and when somebody says that, then, well, that's hard to refute, isn't it? It's called an eyewitness account. It is an eyewitness account. And so we have, uh, here we have the disciples and they have this sense of the eyewitness account. John could give this witness of Jesus. He could give this testimony. He says, for the life was manifested and we have seen it. It was manifested. The incarnate Christ was in our very presence. It, it was manifested to us. 
He came unto us, he called us by name, and we have seen and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. And so, the, verse 2 just, just oozes out the incarnation. It is, the, it is the, the talking about the incarnation. God the Father sent His Son. He, he was revealed to us. He was manifested to us. We have seen Him. We have heard Him. We talked to Him. We lived with Him. And this witness, this witness, this fellowship, this fellowship, this koinonia, the fellowship of the, of, the, of the disciples with the Lord was real. It was real to them. And because Christ is the word of life, he is the living word of life. As in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. As He is the living Word of God, and has manifested Himself unto the disciples, they knew Him as the Word of life. They knew Him that way. And, you know, of course, the best part of this whole thing that John is saying to us, he's saying, you do too. You, you know Him because He is the Word of life. You know him because he has been manifested to you as well. And how has he been manifested to you but by faith? That's how he has been manifested to you. You know him because you have called out to the Lord and confessed your sins. You have repented. You have believed. You have been baptized in his very name. You are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and your fellowship is just as real to you as it was to the disciples. Why? Because this was done by the very Son of God. It cannot be refuted. It cannot be undone. It is truly the doctrine of salvation in a very practically, practical way being spoken to us. You see. And, and God, God has made this possible. We have fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ because He has been manifested unto us. He has been manifested unto us. And so we should never deny that fellowship that we have with the Lord, you see. We should not do that. And we should, by every means of the Scriptures, affirm it upon our hearts and lives because Christ has revealed Himself to us. Because God sent His only begotten Son to die for our sins. For our sins. And so this is a, a very important uh, thought as he brings this out here. Uh, secondly, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son as we look at verse 3 and 4. Um, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And so we, we go on to realize that uh, the fellowship that we have is made known unto us, that which we have seen and heard and declare. And so John was, was making these statements very clearly. He was indicating to the believers 
that uh, they too had this fellowship. They had this fellowship. And uh, that this fellowship is truly our fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And so this fellowship isn't just a casual fellowship. It is, if you will, divine fellowship. It is fellowship because of Jesus Christ. It is fellowship. Fellowship is with the Father and the Son. And so that Jesus, when he died for our sins, to know the Son is to know the Father. And so that we have this, this uh, fellowship, that which we have seen and heard, we declare unto you. And so this is the testimony. We declare unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. And so here it is that fellowship is made possible by Jesus Christ. Because it is, we have fellowship with the Father. And now we may make this, declare the statement. You too may have fellowship with us because of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. Christ has made this possible, you see. Christ has made this possible. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Now how do we express this joy? It is, well, it begins with the joy of our salvation. And then secondly, it begins with the joy of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes the world uh, makes a kind of derogatory statements about the Christians and how they blindly believe in God the Father and God the Son and say that it is nothing more than a crutch or something. But to every believer who is a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is no such thing. It is no such thing. And I, I know that it is no such thing to you that when you are living out your Christian faith, it is something very real and personal to your relationship with Jesus Christ. And you do not count it as a, a crutch to hold on to, but rather you count it as a foundation of your true life and hope of eternal things. Because God sent his only begotten son and he died for your sins. And so the absolute truth of the word of God is uh, uh, really at stake here. Either we believe that God is and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him or we do not. Either we believe that God's word is true that he sent his only begotten son into the world and died for our sins or else we do not. And so when it comes to our Christian faith, we cannot afford in any way as believers to quibble or in any way um, waver concerning the reality of our, of our fellowship with the Son and with the Father. Because our eternal soul is at stake here. You know, sometimes you'll find people who will say that they believe, but yet they, their life doesn't seem to show it. 
And because it doesn't seem to show it, it is hard to believe it. The joy of our Christian fellowship is based upon who God is and that he sent his only begotten son and that he did something for us that we could not do for ourselves. We, can, we could not save ourselves. We could not save ourselves from our sins. We cannot do enough good works to save ourselves. Only God in his grace, in his efficacious grace, only God can effect the true saving work that is needed to save us from our sin nature, the penalty of our sin nature. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, now there is a contrasting verse, you see. And the latter part of it says it all about the joy of our salvation. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now that is where our joy lies. It is in our salvation. And no matter what comes, or, or no matter what takes place in our lives, as long as we realize of the true reality of our fellowship and of our salvation being based upon Jesus Christ and who he is and his death upon the cross for us, then the joy of our salvation remains intact. But the very minute we think we've got to do something, the very minute we think we've got to earn something, the very minute we think we have to work and, and merit our own salvation, we will fall in a heap right in front of the, the very thing we're bowing down before. Because it offers no true stability. No true foundation is in that. Only in Christ. Only in Christ, you see. And so our fellowship and our joy is that God is light. He is the truth. The metaphor of light is indicating that, that there is true light. No ambiguity here. The truth, the, uh, the truth which is opposed to the darkness, that He is light and that we are to walk in the light. You see, as, as believers, that's what we are to do. We are to walk in that truth. Now it is true we might stumble and fall once in a while, but that doesn't mean that the light is, is not true. The light is not absolute, or the light is not revealing, as it should be in the Word. No, the light will remain absolute and true and revealing. God is, and He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him, and at all times we can come back to our foundation, who is Christ, and we can find in Him the light and life that we need to walk with God. We can find it. Unlike many other religions that are relying upon merit of works and various kinds of things that they are doing. And so Christ is truly our fellowship and our joy. He is our fellowship and our joy. Uh, thirdly, or rather fourthly here, in Christ's sacrifice is judicial 
and parental forgiveness. So let's continue to read on in verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now we find that John is going to make some contrasts. The contrast between light and darkness. And we've already established that light is truth. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And, uh, and we find that as Jesus is that light, that truth, that he came into the world and he revealed the very sins of man by his very light which he did shine forth, that God is light and in him is no darkness. So light and darkness, we all know the difference between light and darkness. We, every time we turn on the light at home, why, the room lights up. You shut it back off and you're in the dark again. <laughs> and uh, of course there is night and day. Um, these, these metaphors are, are something that we live with all the time. And when it comes to the truth of the Word of God, there is light in the truth of the Word of God. And there is darkness in the world. Darkness because it is, it is not uh, based upon the Word of God. The, the world is uh, in darkness because of the sin and the transgressions and the very deception of their hearts. But we find that when we walk in the light, we find that darkness is dispelled, is completely dispelled. And so God is light, and in Him is no darkness. Notice, it is in Him is no darkness. And so God does, there is no darkness in God. In other words, God is righteous, God is holy, God is just, God is true. And in every where, every way, God is truly righteous. And that whenever we look into the face of the very word of God, we see that light of God, that truth that God gives to us. In verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness... We lie and do not the truth. So again, the contrast is being uh, continued here. If we say that we have fellowship with him, but so to have fellowship with him is to, is to know him in the truth. But then it says, and do not the truth, or, and walk in darkness. So if one say they have fellowship, and yet they're in darkness, here is, this is a contradiction. And so again, you, you, have, these, you have people who who say they know God, but yet they walk in the darkness of the world. They walk in the sins and transgressions of the world. Not just once in a while and then, and then they confess their sins or something. No, they, it is habitual. Continually they're, they're in the world. The scripture says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so it is a contrast that is being uh, reinforced here. If we say that we have fellowship with him, with God, and walk in darkness, we lie. We are, we, uh, we are not speaking the truth. We're rather lying. And do not the truth. And we're not doing the truth. 
But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Of course, in, in, in this verse, we find a, a great deal of information being passed on to us, don't we? He says, uh, on the other hand, if we walk in the light, then He can have fellowship with the Lord Jesus and with His fellow Christians. In other words, we can have fellowship with the Lord Jesus we can have fellowship with one another if we walk in the light. But if we don't walk in the light, if, we, if we're not truly walking in the light of the Word of God, then it's difficult to have fellowship with anyone around you who is a believer. And certainly you're not having fellowship with the Lord. Because you're not walking in the truth. And so this idea of fellowship and goes both ways. It goes to God the Father, God the Son, but also with one another. We have this ongoing relationship. You, you know how it is. Well, say two people are married and, and um, there's some kind of a little problem comes up and you get into a little argument or something and and all of a sudden you find it difficult to talk to the other person, don't you? you because you're not in agreement. There's some kind of a little thing going on and and so you you kind of struggle, well what should I say? What shouldn't I say? How can I make this better? And, and you go through some kind of a process where you finally come to the place where you, you perhaps you say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Or you, or you try to reconcile, right, a little bit. Well, that's on a human level. What about the divine level? What about the level where, where we're trying to have a right relationship with God? And, and Jesus Christ is, is our mediator and our advocate unto the Father. We want this right relationship with God, but we find that we're not walking in the light of the Word of God. In other words, in some sense, we're sinning against the Lord. And because we're sinning against the Lord, we have this broken fellowship that needs to be reconciled. And if that happens on, on a human plane... Um, how much more the extent of it takes place on the spiritual realm when we are supposed to have a right relationship with God and His Son, you see. So if we, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, not only with Christ and with the Father, we have fellowship one with another, even on the human level, as believers, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, this is the really the kind of the critical point, isn't it? Right here, we talk about the blood of Jesus Christ because Christ came into the world that He was born of Mary. He was not born of the of Joseph, that is by human seed. He was rather Christ came conceived of the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary without the benefit of a husband. 
And so, so this divine birth, this, this uh, incarnate birth, was because God sent his only begotten son into the world. The blood of Christ in his humanity and deity possessed a perfect human nature, but not a sin nature. He did not have the sin nature as we have, for if he did, he would have been a fallen sin nature. But rather, he had a divine nature. The blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, God's only begotten Son, was that which was holy and pure and just and right and true in all the sense that it needed to be that he might be the sacrifice for our sin. And that's what the point is here. That is the point. And so we find that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It cleanses us from the sin nature, past, present, and future. So we have, because of the sacrifice of Christ, the meritorious sacrifice of Christ, that, that sacrifice which was done on our behalf as he died for our sins. He became the very penalty of our sin. He died for our sins. He did die that for our sin nature. That it might be dealt with. That we would not be subject to it. Now it doesn't mean that we become sinless. It only means that the sin nature is now dealt with that we might live unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And it doesn't mean that we don't sin. But it does mean that if, if we do sin, that we have a means where those sins can be dealt with. And that's where the, the next part comes in here. In Christ's sacrifice is judicial and, and parental forgiveness. Judicial, the sin nature is dealt with. He came to die for our sins. The parental aspect is because we need forgiveness for sins, plural, that we might do, transgressions, we look to Christ because his blood cleanses us from all sin. From all sin, not just the sin nature, which we are subject to, but sins, plural. And so verse 9, if we confess our sin, sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So here is where the, the fellowship of the Christian is made possible judicially and then it is made practical parentally. Judicially it is made possible by Christ. Uh, we now have a relationship with God the Father through God the Son because Christ came and died for our sin nature. He took the penalty of our sin nature upon himself. But then parentally, uh, as a father to children, to a son, we find Jesus Christ is there that we might go to the Lord Jesus Christ, confess our sins because he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. 
So like as a child that, that transgresses against the parent, the child can go to the parent and say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do what I did. I recognize my sin, my transgression. I realize that you alone can forgive me and restore that fellowship to me. And the child appeals to the parent on a human level. But on a divine level, this is much more uh, a glorious thing because we find that our fellowship is maintained with God the Father. It is maintained. Our initial fellowship comes by Christ himself, judicially. But then the secondary aspect of that fellowship comes through Jesus as we are able to go and to confess our sins to him. And this is why it's important that we don't neglect going to the Lord. That's why it's important that we don't neglect it. We, sh- we, we shouldn't neglect it at all. We might, you might delay it a little. You might, it might take a little while for you to come to that reality. You say, well, I've got to go to the Lord and pray and, and just ask Him to, to forgive me for, for this. Because I, I know I shouldn't have done it. And, and, and Lord, just, just forgive me. I know your blood cleanses me from all sin. And I appeal to you, Lord, because there is no one else to appeal to. And you confess it. And you have a sense that God has truly forgiven you of that transgression. As far as the, the initial, the initial uh, element of your sin nature, that was dealt with at the cross, you see. But the secondary aspect is that you might maintain fellowship with the Lord. And so he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He, you see, the, the sin nature is the culprit. The sin nature itself is the culprit. And Christ came to die for the sin nature. And these other sins, though they, you know, they, they, they inhibit fellowship, they break fellowship, um, God is willing to forgive us over and over again, and He does. <laughs> he does. Forgive us over and over again. How many times have we done the same thing? And you say, ah, Lord, forgive me again. Forgive me. Uh, and and we, we, keep, uh, we keep working at that. We keep working at that. For the believer, repentance is the fruits of regeneration. Spurgeon said that. Repentance is the fruits of regeneration. You get that? The fruits of regeneration. After you're regenerated already, repentance is the fruits of it. it. We keep coming back seeking that, that sense of forgiveness, of repenting for the things that we do wrong. Uh, confessing doesn't save you. It cleanses you because of the blood of Christ. You see... Christ has come and he has died for our sins according to the scriptures and rose again the third day. So uh, we find that uh, we, we need to clarify that distinction as much as we can um, through what Jesus says here. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And of course the word sins is plural there. Uh, then verse 10 
If we say that we have not sinned, now here's a contrasting statement to what he said before. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. We make God a liar. And his word is not in us. To make God a liar, to not confess our sins, to not, uh, uh, to not say, to not own up to our sins, then we, we make God a liar. We just like saying, we are in effect, in effect saying, God is not in me. God's Son is not in me. It, it's, it's in effect saying, the person isn't saved. No, I mean, one of the important doctrines of our salvation is the perseverance of the saints. The saint perseveres in faith. Perseveres in trials and sufferings. Perseveres in confessions of faith. Perseveres against the sin nature. Perseveres against sins that we commit and confess them to the Lord. Perseveres and doesn't doubt our salvation. We do not doubt our salvation. We believe that God is ever our Savior and that Jesus Christ is ever the one who came to die for our sins. And we will not in any way relinquish any ground upon the hope of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, but if a person denies that they have any sin... Well, they've done that already. They, they have done the contradictory thing. And they are not saved. They are not. And really, since John is talking about fellowship, the, the very ground of fellowship, and the very maintenance of our fellowship... It's important that we know that because it all hinges upon our salvation. Because Jesus is the word of life. Jesus is our Savior. And to say that we have fellowship with the Father and to say that we have fellowship with the Son means that we must confess unto the Lord. We must keep that fellowship with the Lord. And we cannot deny that we have sins. gospel of eternal life and the fellowship that we have. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for your word to us. Pray, Lord, that you will bring it to our hearts in a loving and encouraging way that we will see how important it is to maintain this wonderful fellowship and the joy of our fellowship and salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.